Midday takes to the airwaves on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to your Tuesday edition as slowly but surely the sunshine is creeping over the plains and we'll see how far it's creeped yet. Is it at Surprise, Nebraska yet? Not even close. <laughs> it is cloudy and drizzly, but at least it's not sleeting like it was doing last night. Oh, yeah. It got a little cold last night, Susan Littlefield. Just a tad bit. I think it was... Um, 36 when I got home from the fire department last night. Oh, so, wow. okay. a little chilly, but it was 39 this morning. So, heck, mm. we had a warm up. All right. Well, Susan is here to get us our uh, ag headlines here this morning. And they say that farming is as old as the hills, but it's as new as social media, isn't it? It is. You know, Jay Hill is a farmer from the southern part of our country. He's in New Mexico and in western Texas. He's got two different farming operations. And He's taken to social media to be able to get out there and tell the story about what happens in agriculture, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, He's got over 30,000 followers on Snapchat now as he shows day-by-day operation, including the 3.30 in the morning of baling hay, because that's when you have to do it down in in western Texas. Coming up at 12, and that'll be at 12.45, by the way. At 12.19, Dewey's going to be talking with the folks at Water Street Solutions. And then Dave's going to jump in at 1.17 to talk insurance It doesn't matter what sector of the world you're in. Insurance is extremely important, especially for those folks in ag as well. So that's kind of a rundown of what's happening for us on the midday. Good thing insurance is not complicated, huh? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Susan, we'll look forward to hearing you. All right, sounds good. Thanks very much. Jason Jorgensen on sports. Get the thoughts of Nebraska head coach Mike Riley as the Huskers get set to try to knock off Ohio State on Saturday. I'm a little surprised we've already seen some folks looking to sell their tickets. yeah. I don't know. I've got a stack here. I don't know what that's an in- indicator of. Probably that the Huskers are a 24-point underdog. It might be that, yeah. So we'll touch on that. Also, a much better day for golf for the girls in classes A, B, and C than what they had to fight through yesterday. I'm not quite sure how some of them were able to play and even turn in some of the scores <laughs> yesterday, which are pretty impressive. That, that had to just be brutal. Yeah. Not that today is great, but... Much better than yesterday, Absolutely. that's for sure. Yeah. Also, we'll talk to Major League Baseball playoff action. Big game at Wrigley Field this afternoon as the Cubs try to finish off Washington. That one is scheduled to start around 4.30 Central Time. And the UNK volleyball team has moved up a spot to 8th in the latest edition of the ABCA Division II Top 25. So all of that and much more coming up in sports. Also, a former KU Jayhawk. Cashing in with the Philadelphia 76ers. Oh, really? Yeah, Joel Embiid. Uh huh. Five year deal. Nice. About $140 million. Well, you come out of Kansas, you know. There you go. That's Thanks true, for Especially for a guy who's been hurt. So, yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I would sign, I, I would take half that. Uh, I'd, I'd play for half that. I'd, I'd play for a quarter <laughs> of that. <laughs> Bob, what would you play for? You're, you're in business. I would play for. <laughs> Food. <laughs> you would. <laughs> he just have a sandwich board around his neck. We'll right. we'll play NBA for food. Bob Brogan on business. Stocks are a little bit higher in midday trading. Walmart is in the news today, jumping four point four percent. The giant retailer saying it expects a forty percent surge in online sales next year, and that's kind of what's heading things off. Also, we're we're kind of following that. Big wildfire in California. Oh, yeah. Boy, what a mess in the Napa Valley. Yes. All right. All this and more coming up today on Midday.
Paul Perkins steps in with a look at our regional ag weather, brought to you by Coolman Repair. And uh, kind of a tale of two states here, isn't it? Or two sides of two states. Exactly, yeah. A lot of clouds still into much of eastern Nebraska and Kansas. That clearing line basically to about Ord. Kearney and Phillipsburg right now, so points to the west of that, enjoying lots of sunshine, but as you head to the east of that Ord, Kearney, Phillipsburg line, the clouds hang it tough for the time being, but it will be clearing out. I hope you feel better than you sound. Yeah, I do, actually, yeah. There's a little bit of congestion in the old chest here, but yeah. Um, We do have some rain still hanging on into northeastern Kansas, on up to about Fairbury and Beatrice. Otherwise, that moisture gradually sliding off towards the east today. We'll see that return of sunshine and warmer temperatures as high pressure clears out our skies from west to east. That area of high pressure directly overhead for tonight, and that's going to allow for rapid cooling, clear skies and light winds, a good recipe for a good cool down tonight. Widespread frost is, li- widespread frost is likely late tonight for areas that have not all reached already reached freezing temperatures yet. We did have some locations last night, including in west and west central Nebraska, where it got down to around freezing, including 18 last night at Alliance. We do have that freeze warning in effect tonight for areas that have not reached the freezing temperature level yet, and that includes all of south central Nebraska and north central Kansas, especially if you are served by the Hastings Weather Service. In case you're wondering, is this frost earlier or later than usual? The first frost across most of south Central Nebraska, North Central Kansas, usually between September 23rd and October 7th for the first frost. The average date for the first freeze at 32 degrees or lower between September 29th and October 16th. So we're pretty much on target there. And the average date for the first hard freeze, and we could see that tonight when it reaches 28 or colder, usually between October 7th and the 26th. Yeah. Right on the money there. Exactly. So right on time, Mother Nature this time around. <laughs> We do have a southwest flow that kicks in tomorrow. That'll warm our temperatures up tomorrow all the way through Friday as low pressure approaches. That area of low pressure will track across the plains for a chance of some mainly light rain over the weekend, just a slight cool down over the weekend. And light amounts only expected with this system if we see anything uh, in the way of maybe a quarter to a third of an inch. Temperatures will be much milder, though, early next week as we start warming back into the upper 60s to around 70. That holds true in our long-term forecast. Those chances really increase, especially in the later periods for warmer-than-normal temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas. Sunday through October 23rd, our precipitation forecast for Nebraska and Kansas expects near-normal to below-normal rainfall Sunday through the 23rd. The weather factors the market traders are considering include varying conditions for harvest in the Midwest and dry conditions interrupting the soybean planting in central Brazil. The cool conditions across the nation's midsection will be quickly replaced by some warmer weather, but over the weekend, cool weather will return to the central U.S. for a brief period. While late season warmth will continue to hold in the east and return to the far west, a pair of systems tracking across the northern U.S. will provide the focus for significant rain in the Midwest Moderate to heavy rain is forecast for the central and north-central Midwest that will delay their harvest. But harvest progress in northwestern areas of the Midwest will be helped by a drier pattern. Good harvest progress being made right now in the northern plains where it's drier. More harvest delays, though, expected in the southeast U.S. where more showers are forecast and after the remnants of Hurricane Nate this past weekend. There were freezing conditions in parts of the southern plains last night. It's not expected, though, to be a serious threat to the newly planted wheat. 
Central Brazil expected to be dry the rest of the week. That's going to delay their soybean planting even more due to some low soil moisture. The planting progress in Mato Grosso already lagging the pace of last year. All right, and our ag weather brought to you by Kuhlman Repair. I want to quickly remind you that our uh, smartphone app is a great way to get your weather information from us here at KRVN. You get your forecast, you get current weather, you get radar from two dozen counties, plus a lot more. It's for iPhone and Android, wherever you get free apps powered by Harker Road Motors of Imperial and Juanita. Real people, real prices, real fun, and real cloudy to the east still. Yeah, it's just a, a gloomy day, but expecting that sunshine to gradually take hold as the afternoon goes on. As we are experiencing right here at the old studios at KRVN. Yeah, kind of feels nice, doesn't it? Yes. Sunshine on the back there. When you need weather anytime, you can go to KRVN.com. Bailey Peters joining you now as we take a look at Ag News here on the Rural Radio Network. U.S. beef exports posted another outstanding performance in August, and U.S. Meat Export Federation trade analyst Jessica Spritzer talks about some of that success being in the Asian market. We had great news out of Japan. This was actually the highest volume of U.S. beef exports to Japan in the post-BSE era, and we saw increases over last year for both frozen and chilled beef. Even though August was the first month that the U.S. faced a higher tariff due to the safeguard in Japan, for frozen beef. So tariffs actually increased from 38.5% to 50% for U.S. beef, but we still saw strong demand in this August data. And so over the next few months, we'll continue to monitor to see how that affects the situation, but still good demand in Japan in August. We also have seen rebounding volumes to Hong Kong uh, starting the middle part of this year, and we saw that growth continue in August. On the pork side, exports to Mexico continue to be on pace for a sixth consecutive volume record after increasing slightly from a year ago in August. Pork exports to China, Hong Kong also showed signs of a rebound in August after a sharp year-over-year decline in July. In the economically important big blue stem grass, a dominant prairie grass and major forage grass for cattle is predicted to reduce its growth and stature by up to 60% in the next 75 years because of climate change, according to a study involving Kansas State University researchers. The group of scientists, which included collaborators at Missouri Botanical Garden and Southern Illinois University Carbondale, has published the study in peer-reviewed journal Global Change Biology. The paper is a culmination of several years of close collaboration and interdisciplinary studies, including species modeling, plant growth studies, and climatology. And for the past 25 years, an audit funded by the Beef Checkoff has delivered a set of guideposts and measurements for cattle producers and others to help determine quality conformance of the U.S. beef supply. Todd Dahmer with the Kansas Livestock Association says identifying opportunities to improve the value of cull cows and bulls is part of the assessment. The 2016 National Beef Quality Audit included data on cows and bulls. Improvements were noted from the last audit in animal welfare and handling, hide condition, injection placement, and carcass quality. Audit results showed the vast majority of bulls and cows walked normally into packing facilities with no apparent lameness issues. Study coordinators suggested there has been a trend toward increased body condition scores in cull, beef, and dairy cows since 2007, while scores remained fairly constant for the bull population. 
About 98% of bulls and cows had no visible swellings from animal health product injections, and the incidence of injection site lesions in the round have considerably dropped since 1998. While making a reduction in the amount of bruising a priority helped decrease the prevalence from 1999 to 2007, auditors said there is still an opportunity to further decrease the incidence of bruising. In addition, greater attention to the size and location of brands could increase hide values. And the U.S. Department of Agriculture National Agricultural Statistics Service has announced the annual USDA Data Users Meeting. The meeting is free of charge and open to anyone interested in learning about recent and pending changes in various data and information programs important to agriculture. More information on that meeting can be found at RuralRadio.com. That's a quick check of your ag news. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. How to beat your farm's best. That's what we're going to talk about today with Tim Burhill, Ag Finance Advisor, Water Street Solutions. So, Tim, how do we know whether we're doing that? Well, first, you need to know that you have a goal for your farm. And second, when you have that goal, you need to know how and what you're going to track. So doing those things will help you know what kind of progress you're making over time towards that goal. One way to think about consistently getting better is asking whether you're on track to beat your best. Think of it like a professional athlete might. The goal is to keep becoming better at their sport. Most sports take player statistics very seriously, so the athlete probably knows exactly what their best has been in the recent past. They know their numbers, the fastest they ever ran a particular distance, or the most passing yards they ever threw during a game. The athlete's stats and performances over time are being tracked too. And coaches and athletes are always trying to figure out how the athlete can take their game to the next level and beat a personal best. Training plans and lots of practice and preparation go into that and watching whether trends are improving or not. How can we do this on the farm? Well, like athletes, we can think about beating our best in a similar way. One key area is the farm's efficiency over time. Ideally, it should consistently be getting better and better, becoming more and more efficient. And I mean, that's the goal in grain commodities, right, is to be the lowest cost per bushel producer. But you'll never really know where you stand right now, not to mention how you can get better, if you don't track how you're doing and look at where those trends are heading. When you set up a process to track the right metrics around your farm's efficiency, you have the opportunity to see the actual trajectory of how the farm is doing in those areas. It can be helpful to understand whether or not you're moving towards beating your best. The reward when you take the mindset of trying to do better than your best is that it can become easier to notice specific areas when you make a small change, you have a huge impact. The danger in all this is picking the wrong metrics with all the data that's out there and spending a lot of time without having any impact on the farm. We're talking with Tim Burhill of Water Street Solutions. How do we get started doing this? Well, many farmers want to improve their operations and move along the road to being their best. But it's often overwhelming with, as you know, all the data that's out there. So an ag finance advisor or other advisor for the farm can really help you get those improvements rolling. So first, you might work with them to get the farm's numbers in order through an accrual-based, forward-looking financial analysis. Then you can set up metrics that are focused on your farm's goals. You can measure them at regular intervals and track how you're doing and where you're headed. Sometimes, gaining the perspective of an outside advisor 
can bring in new insights or ideas that may not necessarily have been thought of before. So like a coach for an athlete, an advisor for the farm can be helpful. They can come alongside you to help set up your goals for your operation and consider what metrics can be the most important to track over time. Next week, we'll talk some more about how this goes beyond aiming for just higher yields and lower input costs. But in the meantime, you can get in touch with me or one of our other Water Street advisors to start working to beat your farm's best. So that's part one of our two-part series on how to beat your farm's best. If you would like more information about this topic or any other, you can go to waterstreet.org or call this number, 866-249-2528. Again, go to waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Today we've talked with Tim Burhill, Ag Finance Advisor, Water Street Solutions. It's midday on the Rural Radio Network, and time to check sports with Jason Jorgen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, Nebraska will continue the most difficult two-week stretch of the season with a home game against ninth-ranked Ohio State on Saturday night. The Huskers are coming up that three-touchdown loss to Wisconsin, and Ohio State beat the Huskers by 59 points a year ago. Head coach Mike Riley says the Buckeyes are playing at a very high level again. There's not much not to say, I think, about the way they're playing right now. They're playing at a high level since that one loss and and outscoring opponents. You know, they're versatile and, and uh, productive offensively in almost every category, near the top of everything. Same thing defensively. The Huskers go into that game as a 24-point favorite. Kickoff on Saturday night in Lincoln is set for 6.30 Central Time. Iowa says that Athletic Director Gary Barta is taking an extended medical leave to fight prostate cancer. school made the announcement today that Barta is set to undergo surgery for the disease that he intends to return to as soon as his health and recovery allow. 54-year-old Barta has been Iowa's director since 2006. Just last year, he received a contract extension through 2021. Cup fans are hoping to go wild as the World Series champions try to close out Washington in Game 4 of the NLDS. Rain is in the forecast, and Jake Arrieta is set to start for Chicago. He hasn't pitched since lasting just three innings on September 26th after tweaking his hamstring three weeks earlier. Tanner Rourke starts for the Nationals as they trail in that series two games to one. And Justin Verlander and the Astros earned a little extra rest by beating Boston in four games of their AL Divisional Series. Now they'll wait to see where they open up the AL Championship Series on Friday, either at Cleveland or at home versus the Yankees. In NBA news, Philadelphia is betting its future on former KU Jayhawk Joel Embiid, signing one of the most talented yet injury-prone players in the game to a league maximum contract extension. Embiid and the Sixers have agreed on a $148 million five-year deal that could increase even more if the seven-footer reaches certain incentives. The UNK volleyball team moved up a spot to eighth in the latest edition of the ABCA Division II Coaches Poll. UNK is 18-2 and on the year. Wayne State is ranked 21st this week. Lewis College, who handed UNK one of its two losses this season, is ranked number one. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network. Decreasing clouds tonight with some patchy frost developing late tonight. Lows mid-30s in the west and around 30 in the central. I'm Dave Schroeder. The Trump administration says a federal court has no authority to second-guess a presidential permit for the proposed Keystone XL oil pipeline from Canada. 
Justice Department attorneys are due in U.S. District Court in Montana tomorrow to argue for the dismissal of two lawsuits that challenged the March permit for the 1,100-mile pipeline. Conservation groups and Native American organizations contend an environmental review of the project completed three years ago was inadequate. They've asked U.S. District Judge Brian Morris to revoke its permit. But government attorneys say that the courts can't interfere because Trump has constitutional authority over matters of foreign affairs and national security. The line proposed by TransCanada would transport Canadian crude through Montana and South Dakota to Nebraska. The Obama administration rejected it, but it was revived under Trump. Authorities have filed several misdemeanor charges against a former suburban Omaha police chief accused of driving drunk. Papillion officers stopped their former chief, Leonard Holus, on September 24th after receiving a tip that he was driving drunk. Sarpy County court records say the 58-year-old Hulus is charged with driving under the influence, refusing to submit to DUI tests, carrying a concealed weapon, and possessing an open alcohol container in his vehicle. Court records don't list a name of an attorney who could comment for him. Hulus served 22 years with the Papillion Force, including 14 as chief. Those exposed to the horror of the Las Vegas mass shooting aren't going to get well anytime soon. Tom Helinski, a volunteer for the American Red Cross, says people are resilient, but there are complications to watch out for after exposure to trauma. You would expect that you would have sleep difficulties. You would expect that you would be fatigued. You would expect that you would be irritable with your partner. You would expect that you would have more confusion. So these are just some of the things. Former Republican presidential candidate and U.S. Senate Majority Leader Bob Dole has returned home after being hospitalized for three weeks with low blood pressure. Dole's spokeswoman Marion Watkins said that the 94-year-old former Kansas senator was discharged last Thursday from the Walter Reed National Military Medical Center outside Washington, D.C. He was hospitalized September 13th. Dole tweeted last week that he's happy to be home. Breaking stories, weather, and traffic when you follow us on Facebook and Twitter. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Social media and telling the story of agriculture has grown in popularity. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I met Jay Hill because of Snapchat. Somebody suggested I check him out and what he was doing on his farming operation in New Mexico. And then most recently, enlarged the farm about two hours away in the western part of Texas. So I caught up in the early morning hours as he was waiting to bale hay to talk about the importance of agriculture, social media, and telling the story. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, I feel, at least in my own opinion, that... <laughs> That I live probably one of the greatest lifestyles that anybody could could dream, and uh, and so for me to be able to take you know a ten second or twenty second snapshot of what I do every day uh, and put it out there just to educate people on, on what I do day in and day out. Not only is it really cool and really educational, but uh, people actually understand where their food's coming from. What type of reaction have you gotten from folks as as you start showing the different production aspects of your guys's farming operation? You know, there there is a lot of questions uh, just pertaining, you know, mainly people ask just the point-blank questions, you know, uh, 
why are you you know using a sprayer? What what are you spraying? Or um, you know why are you not using a machine to pick a per you know a, a individual piece of uh, produce or you know whatever it is? It's it's always engaging um, people on a different level. So when we're sitting there with Snapchat and uh, we're we're harvesting onions and and people are seeing that there are people out in the field harvesting these onions. It's always interesting for them to say, well, why don't you use a machine? And, and we have to explain to them, well, on certain varieties we can't because of mechanical damage. And, uh, why do we spray a pesticide or a herbicide or a fungicide? And we can explain to them what kind of um, action we get with a reaction from, from using some of these uh, chemicals. So it's pretty, it's pretty in, in engaging and it's pretty interesting to be able to listen to some of these people. Well, I think what a great way to showcase to them that agriculture isn't all mechanical as many folks think it is. And there's a lot of hands-on going into that food that they're going to eventually eat. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we our operation split pretty heavy between uh, hand harvest and mechanical harvest. And uh, and so it's always interesting. You know, there's there's the alfalfa, um, um, our paprika pepper, and pecans, and corn, and things like that, that um, people, you know, see machinery. But then when it comes into... Um, planting onions by hand or harvesting onions by hand or, or harvesting lettuce or cabbage or things like that. Um, it really brings the human element back to it. And, uh, and that also opens other doors for us to talk about, you know, crazy things like immigration and, and human rights and, and, and fun topics like that. You have such a strong working relationship as well with your employees. And it looks like when I watch the Snapchat, it's more like family than it is boss to employee. Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, when I started farming 16 years ago, I had a John Deere 4020 and, and <laughs> 10 acres. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't have any employee management skills. I didn't have any team building skills. I didn't have any of that. But I, I knew whenever I worked with people, including what I liked in a boss. And I knew what, what, what drove me to do a better job. And so as, as our little farm just continued to grow, um, I wanted to make sure that, that the people that work with me um, start to understand and feel that. You know, I, I want people to, to share in the reward and the risk of what we do as farmers. And so the, the team that we've built has been amazing in, in sharing uh, that reward and that risk. You know, we, we get a hailstorm. Um, I'm not the only one that's slumber in the, in the shop in the morning. You know, these guys and girls pour their hearts out to it every day, and it's awesome to see them, you know, latch onto this and, uh, and, and operate. Even though I might own the farm, they operate it like it's theirs. And I think that's allowed you to expand in, in the ways that you have because you've got that trust, knowing if you're not on that specific farm, that everything's being handled as if you were. Right. Yeah. So we're, we're split now between uh, between our West Texas farm and and our New Mexico farm about two hours. And, um, and the only reason that I'm able to expand is because of employees. And um, and, and I, I really don't even like the term employee. I, I would say more team member. Just uh, it's amazing to me. You know, my phone never stops during the day, but. You know, it's pictures or, or Snapchats from, from employees sending things and saying, hey, what do you think? Does this look good? Or do you like this? Or, you know, um, or, you know it's it's one of those that they just kind of take the, the bull by the horn in the morning and they, they take care of it, and I don't have to worry about it. You know, I think combined between the two farms, we're close to 65 employees. 
and uh, and that's full time now. And uh, and it's an amazing group. It's uh, just to watch these people, you know, get up, go to work, and and uh, and live their dream through mine. It's it's amazing. Um, I, I feel like we bring a really a really honest look at agriculture. Um, you know, the amount of debt that, that I have to operate under, and, and the struggle, and the weather, and um, just all of the different issues that happen. I try to portray that as much. So, if you want to learn more about agriculture in New Mexico and West. Check out Hill J45 on Snapchat. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Time for a review of the livestock futures trade with Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Yeah, it was a positive day uh, in livestock futures today. Cattle being the leader uh, uh, thanks to uh, 110 trade yesterday. Uh, wasn't a big trade, but at least it was a 110, and that uh, ignited the market right from the get-go. And uh, uh, the October uh, contract uh, was definitely the beneficiary, over $2 higher today. Then cutouts came out at noon, and they were higher. Pretty light test, but uh, still higher, and that uh, brought on uh, further uh, strength in the market. So we had a, uh, a pretty decent close. Uh, the feeders uh, kind of lagged behind today. They were moderately higher, uh, uh, basically be uh, because uh, uh, we started out with uh, corn higher, and uh, we did rally and then uh, kind of sold off late, uh, I believe, on uh, some profit-taking there. Uh, but uh, all in all, for the cattle complex, pretty good day. Over the hogs, cash uh, still moving higher, and uh, that... Uh, propel the uh, hogs higher during the day, too, uh, as uh, uh, the uh, cutouts were higher also. So all in all, uh, put it all together, and uh, we had a pretty positive day uh, for the second day of the week. Thanks, Joe. For more information, you can contact Joe Teal at 800-328-0134. Total cattle slaughter for the first two days this week estimated at 233,000, 8,000 more than last week, and 4,000 more than a year ago. Hog slaughter, 926,000, 22,000 more than one week ago. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm visiting with the director of the Nebraska Department of Insurance, Bruce Ramsey. And the Department of Insurance is sponsoring some upcoming listening sessions around the state. One of the primary topics is the Affordable Care Act. And so, Director Ramsey, tell us about uh, these meetings and why are they being held? You bet. Well, thank you for calling, Dave. Basically, we want to hold these meetings to share information with the public about the upcoming uh, open enrollment session for Affordable Care Act plans. Open enrollment will be for the 2018 calendar year. There is some changes as far as when the open enrollment takes place. That's right. It's important uh, for individuals to know that open enrollment this year is November 1 through December 15th. That's a little bit shorter period than in previous years. As we lead up to this, what are some common questions that the department receives about the enrollment plan? Well, questions are often just general. So they're they're planning to talk about just the current status of the Affordable Care Act and what to expect in the future, the specifics about the health insurance market and 2018 premiums. Uh, They're going to talk about preventive health care coverage, mental health care uh, parity. Uh, Then they're also going to 
visit about certain property and casualty insurance matters and uh, talk about the appeals process uh, for individuals who have had denied health care claims. Tell me about uh, who will be doing these presentations. Uh, we have uh, three individuals from our uh, department here who will be coming out. It's, uh, Martin Swanson, who is basically our health care analyst and, and uh, kind of oversees uh, the matters uh, in our department relating to health care. Uh, Laura Arp, who is an attorney here at the department, and uh, uh, also the individual, uh, Maggie, who handles our uh, health care uh, external review requests. So uh, the uh, people will be available to uh, answer questions on not only the ACA, but other insurance topics. And tell us, uh, are there some other resources that the state has that you can get information about uh, insurance questions? You bet. Um, The department has a website with uh, a lot of information uh, aimed for uh, consumers, uh, insurance producers, and insurance companies, and that's at www.doi.nebraska.gov. Also, uh, for the Affordable Care Act, there is uh, www.healthcare.gov, and it's important to go into the .gov as opposed to the healthcare.com because that website is really not the official site for registering for Affordable Care Act coverage. Again, it's healthcare.gov. Uh, the NEIC also has some great resources for uh, individuals, and that is neic.org. The upcoming listening uh, sessions uh, that are being hosted by the Nebraska Department of Insurance on uh, ACA uh, Health Care Act uh, topics and also uh, answering other questions regarding uh, insurance in Nebraska coming up. And these listening sessions will be held around the state. We'll have them listed on our website. And they are going to be held uh, from October through the middle part of November at this time. Uh, Director Ramji, anything else to add about insurance issues? Thank you, Dave, for calling, and uh, I we hope to uh, see folks turn out at the sessions. Nebraska Department of Insurance Director Bruce Ramsey, and I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network, and we're with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. We continue to trade narrowly mixed in grains, and we have this narrow trading range like we've had, I think, since August, John. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I think I could have got, given this interview one time for corn, and you guys could just replay it over and over again for the last two weeks, and nothing has really changed. It's, uh, you know, I would have thought maybe the delays could have gotten the price action kicking up a little bit, but we're just torn between a big supply and, and uh, a demand that is kind of flatlining, so to speak. It's very good. I mean, you look at a vacuum from, you know, 10,000 feet when you pull everything back, over the last 20 years, corn demand is fantastic, but it's a little less than it was a year ago at this time. The shipment data we saw this morning saw kind of further lagging behind last year's export rapace. But I will say, and, and this is more for you media types, if you're out there quoting year-over-year exports with the U.S. or year-over-year production for corn with Brazil, you have to remember two years ago Brazil had a really tough crop year, and it, rela- it, it created a vacuum for U.S. Uh, demand in exports a year ago. So if you go back to 15, we're kind of right back to where we've been. 
um, you know, I guess flat demand, so to speak, and that is, uh, you know, not going to get prices moving right now. Um, I think the, the focus really is on, on the livestock market, and these funds want to buy something that you can use corn with, uh, and, and I think that trade breaks as soon as the corn markets get going the other way. Well, the corn market appears comfortable with a yield near 170 right now. Yeah, I think everybody's, you know, been scarred a little bit by the last two reports. I don't think there's a lot of folks thinking they're going to see any reduction, which means, you know, that would be the, you know, the, maybe the caveat that kicks us out of this range a little bit. Volatility, I read this morning, is at uh, 30-year lows right now in corn as far as the price goes. Uh, I think 91 was the last time we were at these levels of volatility. So what that tells you is you should really be out buying the volatility. But what that that, that has been a trade that's been a complete loser over the last, really, three months. So not a lot of folks are interested in doing that right now. Well, the funds may be buying the dips, but at the same time, uh, maybe Thursday we can break out of this a uh, little bit of a trading range, uh, huh? I'd like to think we can. I, I You know, it's it's a the markets will be in here buying the breaks. I, I, I don't know if I'd buy the report uh, on face value ahead of it. I think you catch maybe a 10 to 15 cent mo- move lower where, you know, 338 comes into qu- a question. You don't have much to risk there. You know, where am I wrong is, is always the question I ask when I get into a trade. And with corn, you know, old crop, I mean, to be honest, I like buying the cash if, if you had the means and the place to put it. I think that's really the, the, the challenge right now for the trade. On beans, I think we've got one more shock lower, 945. That's the kind of decision-making point for me. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Be sure to check it out, danielsagmarketing.com. Dewey Nelson reporting.